This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I realized the impact we had on people when I was walking through a Dallas airport and this woman walks up and slaps me square in the face. And there was a moment, I was like, what just happened? I kind of looked around and- Like she slapped you? Slapped me. Now, not knee buckling hard. You're like, I could t- like, take it. Bang! I was like, I was like What's, what, what are you doing? And she goes, ooh, I know you, you cheated on Sharon with Amy. And I was like, ma'am, ma'am. <laughs> that's my character. Yes, I'm like, that's Nick. I'm <laughs> that's Joshua. Joshua. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> I was like- I understand. I was like, but you cannot do that anymore. You have to promise me you're not going to do that anymore to anyone else in the Dallas airport. <laughs> Many moves to make. Set our own rules in the game. A whole nother path to take. Look out, yeah. We know the whole world watching. Before I get to who's today's guest on the podcast is, I have something I need to admit to y'all first. I'm tired. I need some sleep. Specifically, I need that extra hour of sleep that was stolen from all of us because of daylight savings time. I know it's been a few weeks and some of y'all have adjusted quite well. Well, I haven't. And coming up later in today's episode, I will tell y'all why this spring for shit is stupid and it needs to go away. But first, uh, my regular podcast listeners, You all have heard me say about two million times that my favorite guilty pleasure show of all time is, drumroll please, Young and the Restless. It's also my muse. When I write, a lot of times I'm watching YNR, a show I've been connected to for more than half of my life. Judge me, I don't care. Look, from time to time, this podcast is just going to serve me and my interests, so y'all just got to deal with it. And today I am welcoming one of the stars And I know that some of the fellas that regularly listen to me are thinking What the what? But I promise you You will enjoy today's episode as well Because you would be stunned by how many men Many of whom are superstar athletes that you love Enjoy soap operas And my guest today has some unbelievable stories about that Including one that involves Tiger Woods and Charles Barkley Anyway He's been playing this character on Young and the Restless since 1994. Matter of fact, I remember his debut because it was one of those deals where his character went away for summer camp as a five-year-old, came back, he was 22. Because <laughs> that's how soap operas get down. But anyway, I'm dedicating this podcast to all the black mamas and grandmamas who made their children and grandchildren, nieces and nephews, watch their stories. So coming up next on Jamel Hill is Unbothered, Joshua Morrow, who soap opera fans know affectionately as the one and only Nicholas Newman. So if you are a black grandma, a black auntie, a black mama, (laughs) 
I think you know where I'm going with this, Josh. Um, the stories. The stories. Yeah. Huddle around <laughs> because today is such a special day on Jamel Hill is Unbothered because not only do I get to fulfill a personal fan wish of mine, but I realize that there's just a lot of, again, black grandmas, mamas, aunties right now who are probably, you know, I don't know, licking the podcast screen. I guess people don't do that now because of coronavirus, so maybe yeah, not. Nobody's but, licking nothing. Nobody's yeah, licking nothing, so... so yeah. <laughs> But they're all just like, look at who it is. <laughs> I'm sure you have heard this before that everybody's mom, auntie, oh, for sure. grandma I've been has all introduced around the them country. to you. Yeah, it's yes. all about the grandmas. I mean, we're big on grandmas. <laughs> oh yeah, grandmas love it. Aunties for sure. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean that. You know, it's that 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 culture that is really resonating well with with, with what we do. I bet know? older women like are all about. Some Joshua Morrow. You do well with that over 60 ground, don't you? Do okay. Do okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this has been such a tremendous journey for you um, to be playing this character since 1994, to be on an institution show. Um, what does it mean to you to have had a career that has spanned almost three decades? You know, honestly, I still wake up every day and I cannot believe how blessed I am. I never take it for granted. Um, I'm kind of a, an outlier because I didn't really want to be an actor growing up. So um, this kind of fell in my future, if you will. And um, it's the greatest thing that ever could have happened to me because, you know, I probably would have just been like a basketball coach at some 3A school in Oklahoma, which would have been a great life. But... Man, this is like Disneyland. Like uh, it's it's incredible. Well, look, don't underboss yourself. I believe in in high school you lettered in five sports. I did. Yeah, five, so yeah. you still did. got the letter jacket. <laughs> still got it. This guy took bulldogs. What? <laughs> <laughs> did you have a nickname in high school at all? JJ. JJ. Yeah, name's Joshua Jacob. Oh, okay. And, you know, I thought it was something. You know, maybe like like. A, on my Letterman jacket, it says shotgun because I played shortstop. Oh, so like you didn't yeah. have like some cool. No, in fact, JJ wasn't even on. We didn't. I was, you know, kind of the proper, you know, like they wouldn't ever let us do that. But it <laughs> okay. was bedazzled with all my, you know, my Letterman's uh, years playing and stuff. It was. It's a pretty busy jacket. It's like it's got a lot of flair. Got a lot of. Flair. <laughs> we got a lot of flair. <laughs> Don't want to go through like an electric. I mean, a uh, metal detector with that thing. It'll set some stuff off. Uh, I immediately resisted making an office space reference, but for yeah. those out there who get it with flair, Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer would be Aniston. Very <laughs> jealous of my ja my Letterman <laughs> she jacket. Would. She oh would. yeah. Yeah. Plenty, plenty of flair. Um, so I only say that because I was like, hey, you're underrating your playing career a little bit. Um, was there a point, given how expansive your high school sports career was, where you realize maybe a professional dream may not be in the future? It's funny you say that. So I'll never forget where I was in the, the uh, Sonic parking lot with my dad in the black uh, El Camino eating my tater tots. And my dad, I'm a sophomore, is like, all right, JJ, what – What's the plan? What are you going to do? I'm like, I'm playing in the NBA. I'm the next baseball, John Stockton. Baseball was your, baseball, was that your best sport? No, no my best was... sport was probably football. Okay. But uh, I was an option quarterback, and I was straight up tired of getting hit. I mean, I took a hit on literally every play. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and that was from, like, freshman year. And when football was over, I was done. I had schools looking at me. They all wanted to move me to the secondary and I was just like, because I was small, man. I was like 5'10", a buck 60. And there's no room for an, a white option quarterback 
at five ten, one sixty. You know, like maybe Navy or something. But well, you yeah. have to commit to a, like for sure <laughs> a higher level of. You service. know, and I wasn't. I didn't have a cannon for an arm. I wasn't running like a four two. It okay. was so you, you were know, not Lamar Jackson. I was definitely not. So <laughs> okay, but. Make no mistake, I was solid. <laughs> but uh, everybody wanted to move me to the secondary. I was like, eh, I don't want to do that. But basketball was my first love because it was the most fun. You know, all my heroes were Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson and, you know, cats like that. So, um, but I remember at Sonic, my dad said, You know, you're not playing in the NBA, right? And there was a silence. I put my chicken fried steak sandwich down in the lemonade and I was like, What are you talking about? He goes, Son, that's never going to happen. I want you to chase your dreams, but you're not playing in the NBA. I was like, damn. All right. So he goes, if you can play a sport in college, that's all we ever dreamed about. You go do that, and we're golden. So I was like, all right, I can do that. I, mean, I literally could have played soccer, football, or basketball anywhere mm -hmm. in Oklahoma, any small schools. No, Nobody big was really looking at me. Um, but I was like, okay. So I remember going to the Oklahoma Sooners basketball camp every summer. Cause you knew the invite every summer, <laughs> every summer. Okay. And Billy Tubbs, we were, he, he knew my name. I was all state in basketball and he knew my name. He's like, what's your story? And I'm like, I'm coming here. He goes, don't come here. I got five point guards better than you. It's never going to happen. I'm like, okay, thank you, Mr. Tubbs. So, um, you know, it's kind of a weird story. I mean, yeah, so it's kind of sidetracked. So I, my senior year of basketball, obviously, captain of the team. I got in some trouble at school. Ooh. What, for the dumbest shit you've ever what heard did, in your what life. What did Josh Morrow Exactly. Do? This is going to blow your mind. Okay. So first basketball tournament, it's before the Christmas break. That's when basketball season starts. And we're all sitting in the locker room. I'm the captain of the team. We're all sitting in the locker room preparing for the game. And by preparing, we're kids. We'd learned this thing in science where if you tried to take a penny and put it on a metal hanger, you, with centrifugal force, you could spin it, and the penny's either going to float above it or stay on there. Nobody could do it. Well, I'm doing it as the coach walks in. And he loses his ever-loving mind. I mean, fucking loses his shit about what's happening. And we're all looking at him like, settle down, coach. <laughs> And he's screaming at me, picks me up, and he's screaming at me. And I'm like, we got this. No problem. Walk out. I don't play a minute of that game. And my dad's in the stands. He's like, what's going Like, what's happening? I'm like, I'll tell you later. After the game, walk out. My dad walks in and goes, get your stuff. We're leaving. And then um, went to the coach in the school. And they're like, yeah, he didn't, you know, he wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. And so my dad goes, you're going to go live with your mother in California. You're not playing for that man again. I'm like, all right. This is the middle of my senior year. And uh, I was like, okay. So I moved out to California, joined the basketball team there, ended up playing at Moorpark College, which is a school down the street from my mom. And uh, it's the coach there put all of us basketball players in theater. So, you know, the dudes were not really cut in the classroom, could help them stay eligible. But I realized very quickly that's where all the girls were. <laughs> the ratio was pretty incredible. Pretty good for you, huh? So I fell in love with acting. Like, you know, I'd never done it a day in my life, but it, that's how it all kind of started. So your acting career is sparked by a failed science experiment of a coach who overreacts. With a penny in, an, in, a, uh, in a hanger. That's a wow. true story. This yeah. is what leads to. Yeah. Coach Jim Deaton. 
Thank you for being such an a-hole to me. <laughs> no, just call him an yeah. asshole. You need to, you know well, what? Well, you know, if, if he ever heard this, because before then, we were cool. I don't know what happened. That damn penny trick. You should have sent, or you should, and granted, I am... I'm I'm Petty Murphy, right? Like I'm Petty LaBelle, like for sure. You should send him your headshot and say, Coach, thank you for No, it's funny you say it. So a friend of a friend, he had tra- he'd moved schools, whatever, was coaching somewhere else, and a friend of a friend said he ran into him and goes, Can you believe what's happened to JJ Morrow? He's on that young and the restless show. And he goes, He can thank me for that. So he said out of his mouth to my buddy. Not sorry at all. Yeah. He's I like, was like, clearly I was damn. the one behind his success. So clearly, yes. clearly that was it. Yeah. Um, so falling in love with acting is not necessarily unique around uh, these parts, but there is that difference between, oh, I just like to act and, oh, I'm actually going to be able to make a living at this. So was there a point where you realized I can make a living at this? Honestly, my story is so freakishly crazy because this was my fourth audition. Like, I didn't have to do the grind of trying to become an actor. Um, So there was never really a moment of, like, maybe this isn't for me because I wasn't, like, catching a lot of, like, you know, rejection yet. Um, Obviously, that point happens to people all the time and they got to make a mature decision and be like, can I keep chasing this or, you know, go pay the bills? So, um, Man, I got this in college, and I have not looked back. Like, I've been doing this for 25 years, and I'm just like, okay. It's been amazing. So uh, I never had to question it. Um, you know, I, you know me for several years now, very confident young man. And mm. when I said, well, I'm just going to do this for a living, I'm going to do it. In fact, I remember telling my dad, I was like, Dad, I'm quitting the basketball team next year because i'm not playing him i'm gonna do this and he's like what are you talking about this is what we've worked for I'm like, this is what we've worked for trust me i got this you know <laughs> and then like three months later i signed a three-year deal on young the restless and it's been, the rest of the years they say is history i still remember the, I, I remember your first show like when because i remember little nick being like five yep. and then he went away to boarding school came back he was like 21 i don't know yeah. what happened i was like what the <laughs> who is this you know like how did they advance the they age take that some liberties on the they, soaps they do yeah. i actually enjoy that part of soap operas is I that yeah it's like they just do such absurd things yeah. the whole like baby stealing all this stuff like all this kind of stuff it's amazing and they, and they do it with a serious face it's like yeah we're gonna do this i remember we we did this wedding once and the girl who played my daughter who i love literally like a daughter was not there. She wasn't in the wedding. They had some other hot girl come in and play her for a four-episode arc. And so we literally have to be like, I love you so much. And you the, you're at a wedding. I'm like, who is this girl? <laughs> hey, how are you? Welcome to the show. It's like, you're now playing my daughter for four days. Yeah. Now, of course, uh, we see a lot of, you know, actors that we see out, you know, that are doing films and TV. Um a lot of them got their start on on soap operas. Sure. Do you feel, even though that's the case, are there preconceived notions in Hollywood about soap opera stars like yourself? About your abilities? Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's not so much about the actors per se. It's more the content. Like you'll see things on like Saturday Night Live just did a, in a hysterical thing the other night called The Sands of Modesto. I don't know if you you got to pull it up if you <laughs> okay. haven't seen it. It w- it made me literally lay on the ground crying laughing. It was about soap stars afraid of the coronavirus, so they can't touch each other. Oh my god, it's so funny! You gotta check it out. But 
it's that thing that like Jimmy Kimmel does is that they they'll make fun of our content when some of the actors and actresses that I work with would blow people's minds if they actually sat and watched what we did. Um, that kind of crazy kind of storytelling is kind of a thing of the past. We tell stories about real emotion and drama and, and obviously falling in love and, and, and heartache. And um, some of the scenes I've done with people that I work with are like powerfully incredible. And I guess the stigma of a soap star at times is one of just a really pretty person who, you know, is, is there for their looks. But I'd put some of the, the work that some of my co-stars have put up against anyone. And that's what I would like people to understand is we work our asses off. I mean, the amount of material we do over a short period of time, day in and day out, would just cripple some actors. Like they come in, they can't believe what we do. And, and it's a real testament to their ability and their focus and their talent. Uh, on a given day, um, like how many pages? I, I know it may vary, but like, yeah. what, um, the give people average, an idea of that. Yeah, the average would probably be somewhere between, let's just call it 14 and 22. But there's days where we shoot somewhere between 30 and 60. Now, a good day, a film or a nighttime show, now granted they got to break down their cameras and the lighting and they're not in the studio, probably shoots four or five pages a day. We're routinely shooting 115, 120 a, a day. Uh, so we're grinding. You can't be in this business anymore because the business model has changed. We had to be leaner, meaner, and more efficient. So if you can't get in there and knock out 20 pages in an hour at a minimum, they won't keep you. Um, again, you've been doing this for for 20 plus years. Have you ever felt burnt out? Because this is a, a high demand job. It is, uh, twice. Uh, I almost left. I came so close to leaving, uh, I wanna say after year nine. Uh, I just felt like I had done the same thing for so long. Um, and I just, I remember my dad sitting me down and saying, you know, you got a family and this is a job that people would kill for. Uh, it's less than 1% of actors in either union that is able to do this solely for a living and provide for their families. And he's like, whether this is something that, you know, you're still dreaming about doing or not, I think it'd be really silly for you to, to pass this up because, you know, I'd kind of, I'm, Victor Newman's son, like there's no better role in daytime than than I was given. So um, it, was, it was my dad who made me see the light, uh, re-up for another like four years or something. And then honestly, about three years ago, I was like, maybe maybe it's time. I mean, and I, I've done well, my kids are getting older, but Man, it's just it's it's really hard to turn down. I love the people I work with. I love the people I work for. I'm home for dinner every night. I coach my kids in all their sports. And to me, to coach my kids is the only thing I actually care about. This show, man, they would like reschedule my stuff around baseball for me. And I can't tell you what that meant to me. And that that gratitude I have to them has made me extremely loyal to to them and for them understanding what really speaks to me. And that is, you know, coaching my boys in soccer and 
basketball and everything. So if you left, would they would they kill Nick Newman? Or would they, they just put, No, they would not. They uh, would not? Okay. Nick is and it has Dude, nobody has can nothing play you, to do with me. And I and I mean that in all honesty. Right. Nick has to be on the show and it would hurt. I'm not going to be that guy that'd be like, you know, it would hurt. I think the fans would be upset, but eventually they would have to recast him and they would and they would find somebody very strong and talented to play it as well uh you know i do think it would be a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people but we've done it before i mean the girl who plays my sister was played by a powerhouse and i remember unbelievably yeah. talented powerful woman and when she left everyone was be like the sky's falling the show's not going to go on but they brought in a couple other girls but then amelia Heinley came in and She's now a soap, you know, legitimate star on her own. And the same would do it for me. They would do it for me in a second. I well, mean, they would they would fight hard to keep me. Right. I mean, but they would have to do it. Well, do me a favor, though. Um, if you decide to leave, I'm going to need some notice so I can emotionally <laughs> prepare myself. <laughs> okay? Because I'm just not going to accept a new Nick. Yeah, I said it. I'm not going to accept it. <laughs> Right. Well, that makes me feel good. Right. Give me, give yeah. me some notice. Man. I will. You, right. I, you'll be, you'll be like fifth on my yeah, text yeah. chain. I mean, yeah, as yeah. long as, as long as I know before your final show, then I can start to wean myself off because that might be my last day watching. <laughs> nah, uh, my daughter's only seven, so <laughs> I think, I think I gotta at least get her through high school because I really would love to move to like Colorado and just get a bunch of dogs and bows and grow a beard and. Oh and, man! And, and Go snowboard. off the reservation, huh? Yeah, man. I'm, you know, that's that's my dream. But I got a lot of kids in private school and college, so <laughs> you got we got a little bit more time. Yeah. Um, I, I'm sure when you first started, I mean, like, how aware were you? Maybe the fixation and the fandom level that people have with soap operas. Um, honestly, the first event I ever did, like outside of work, like autograph signing, I realized there was a kind of a a hysteria to it um but a one that i really appreciated soap fans are so incredibly loyal and invested in what we do and they probably a little too invested I'll, at I'll, times I'll, I'll be i'll be guilty of that at times <laughs> but i mean that kind of passion is the reason why we're successful um there was a there was a i've said this story on several talk shows but i realized the impact we had on people when i was walking through a dallas airport and this woman walks up and slaps me square in the face. And there was a moment, I was like, what just happened? I kind of looked around and- Like she slapped you? Slapped me. Now, not knee buckling hard. You're like, I could, but she's you like, could take it. Bang! I was like, I was like What's, what, what are you doing? And she goes, ooh, I know you, you cheated on Sharon with Amy. And I was like, ma'am, ma'am. <laughs> that's my character. Yes, I was like, that's Nick. <laughs> I'm Joshua. Joshua. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> I was like, I understand. I was like, but you cannot do that any. You have to promise me you're not going to do that anymore to anyone else in the Dallas airport. <laughs> she was so excited, but she couldn't contain it. Like she just, she saw red. She was very upset. It was a shitty thing for Nick to do. I agreed with her, but man, she let me have it. <laughs> oh my! And it wasn't even the hit. She dressed me down for a good 15 minutes, and I was like, I got a flight. 
I got to fly. like, are we done here? Yeah. Like, go Cowboys. <laughs> I got to go. Yeah. So um, I'm sure that's not your only kind of crazy fan encounter. I mean, is this a, not maybe not people slapping you, yeah, but people are one. so invested in the show, in your character, that I'm sure you regularly run into people who cannot tell the difference between reality and yeah, television. That's the only time I was physically assaulted. <laughs> okay, good. Um, but uh, I, honestly, it's, it's, it's just more like, like crazy passion. I'll be in the most obscure places in the world where I'll have like, I'll be snowboarding. Now, snowboarding, you've got goggles like this and a thing of covering your mouth. So really it's my nose, right? I'll have people recognize me that. It blows me away. Like, Nick, I'm like, you can see that from the tip of my nose. It's happened like five times. <laughs> I'm like, so they just, if they're really passionate about it, they, you know, they'll let you know. Airports are big for soap fans. Vegas, ooh, Vegas is big for <laughs> soap fans. So how, um, uh, you've been married how many years now? Oof. Are you going to get this question I wrong? know, right? Oh, my gosh. Okay, you've been married a lot oh, of years. one. Okay, there you go. So it'll be 18 years in August. All right. How does your wife handle the fact that, look, the, the, the thing is about your character, generally a good guy. Like not, you know, there's characters real villain I mean, he's been yeah. through some moments for sure but very like, good guy but generally known as the good guy of the show and i would imagine because of that and um you know your character is kind of a guy that like you know he likes to get naked there you go yeah I see, i'm I was gonna help to you with a this classy yeah, way no to say that. he likes to get down with so the get down he does get down with the get down yeah. so how does your wife handle the fact that you probably have a, a lot of female fans i do yeah um you know, she, uh, at the risk of it sounding more impressive than it actually is, she gets the real thing at home. Oh, so hey, So she now. knows that. <laughs> uh, she's a very confident woman. She's, uh, she's a stone-cold fox and very comfortable with her herself. Um, she knows all of the women that I have, you know, that I get naked with on a regular <laughs> basis. Uh, she's quite friendly with one of them. So okay. um, she doesn't watch the show, and I'm glad because there are some times I'm really pushing the envelope with our, you know, listen, we're basically naked simulating sex. Now, there's nothing sexy about it. There's 18 dudes standing around going, man, when's lunch? You know, five feet from us. So there's nothing hot about it, but we're, we're naked, right. you know? So, um, She's cool. Yeah, she's I mean, it, it put that roof over her head, and you know, I mean, she she gets it. Um, but she's she's a very confident woman. So, um, I, of course, I you know you know about the the sort of regular civilian fans that are, are fans, but it's a lot of celebrities that are fans of you, fans of the show. So, what celebrity uh, is a fan of Young and the Rest? Is a fan of you that you one of those cases of you never know who's watching that generally surprised you that this person was a fan? Um, probably the biggest surprise was Wayne Gretzky, um, huge soap fan. Believe <laughs> Wayne or not. Gretzky, yeah, that's the, a good one. The great one. <laughs> the great one. Well, okay. Uh, I'm a obviously, as you know, the biggest sports fan in the world. Mm -hmm. All, all sports. Um, but I was playing golf one day and I hit a shot and I hear this like whistle from above me and the house is above me. And I look up and he's like, Hey, good shot, Nick. And it's Wayne fucking the great one. And I'm like, hi, Mr. Gretzky. You didn't <laughs> call goes, him Mr. <laughs> hi, Mr. 99. <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. And he, he gives me a wave 
And I go, I go, guys, excuse me, I gotta go talk to, to the greatest hockey player who ever lived. I walk up there and he's like, Hey, I watch your show. And I actually was on your show once and talks to me for about two. Wayne Gretzky was on Young and the Wrestlers? He was. He had a bit part on Young and the Wrestlers. Okay. And um he goes, oh, I'll be right back. And he walked in the house and came out and gave me a stick signed to me. And I was like, Thank you, Mr. Gretzky. Uh, <laughs> let me go finish my round. He goes, Hey, after the round, I'll meet you for a beer at the uh at the pub. And I'm like, Great. We look forward to it. Okay. <laughs> round couldn't end fast enough. Yeah. Wow. And um, and then uh, we met, and then we went and had dinner that night. And uh, so now you you guys are like best friends. Yeah. I, he <laughs> came to my wedding. <laughs> my dad. Wait, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> he did. Lifelong. Da- I remember my dad going. I know Wayne Gretzky is not at your wedding. I'm like, he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So uh, we're. I mean, we're good friends, and I know all his kids really well because this was the time when he started having, you know, all of them. And uh, I mean, Charles Barkley to this day is still a great friend of mine. Like, uh, and he watch. He. I don't know if he watches the show too much, but that dude knows everybody. Like he knows. He just knows who everybody is. Um, so he he became a very good friend of mine. Uh, a bunch of hockey players watched the show. Like hockey's a big one. Um, I'm surprised the baseball crowd because they have a lot no of time base- to kill. Very few baseball people uh. actually. Uh, I've met some. Make right. no mistake, I've met some. But uh, baseball players are the ones that I seem to meet the least. <laughs> um, but uh, I met Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan knew who I was. Um, I went to his golf tournament several times, and uh, I got some great. Sure vault you do. <laughs> stories with uh, MJ and Charles that I can never ever talk about, but man, you gotta have at least one good Charles drunk story though. Because Charles drunk, yeah, or as in you getting drunk with Charles. Now, I mean, you know, I mean that's happened probably seventy five times. <laughs> so say like everybody. Okay, you know what my favorite Charles Barkley mm. story is, and I can't get in trouble for this one. Um, he calls me up and goes, "Hey, we're going to Vegas," and I'm like, "All right, meet me at the airport." I'm like, "Okay," swoops me up, picks me up. Fly to Vegas. He goes, we're meeting uh, my buddy for dinner tonight. I'm like, yeah, no problem, dude. So we're playing, uh, we're playing uh, blackjack in the high stakes room, and I feel a hand on my uh, on my shoulder, and he goes, "What's up, Charles?" And Charles goes, "Oh, this is my boy." He goes, "Tiger, this is Joshua." I'm like, "Hey, Tiger Woods." <laughs> he goes, "Let's go have dinner." So we go and have dinner at this amazing steakhouse, like have dinner, and Tiger's sitting where you are. Charles is sitting where I am, and I'm sitting here, and we're having just the greatest time. I mean, these are two of the biggest people in the world. And we order dinner. I'll never forget this. We order dinner. When they give it to us, Tiger ordered a soul, a, a, yeah. just a fish soul, fish, still yeah. healthy, do in the world. They lay down his food to him. Charles gets his, and then they give me my steak. We have steaks. By the time they give me mine, Tiger's done eating. Literally done eating with this. This he goes, hey, we gotta go. We gotta get to the club. And Charles like, man, we gotta eat. We, you know. And he he was the most impatient dude I've ever met. <laughs> but we had a great time that night. And then we went to his golf school with Butch Harmon's the next day. Just him and I, Tiger. And then Tiger, um, he's such a sh- oh man. So we're in the uh, we're at this golf course. And he goes, hey, I'll bet you a hundred dollars. I can get closest to the pin out of the sand, and I'll use the the rake. With you a can, rake, yeah. He okay. goes, you can use your uh, your sand wedge. I'm gonna use the rake, and I go, done. Man, he of course beat me with the rake, and he goes, double or nothing. I can do it with the other end of the rake, and he did it again. 
So clearly not his first time doing this. I was like, you didn't know just by the fact that he proposed the instrument he would use that you might be about to be taken right now. I'm an eight handicap. I was like, sure, let's go. And he hit a two perfect bunker shots with both ends of the rake and beat me. But then he flew me home on his jet, so I, I guess they made up for it. It was a good trade. It was a good two hundred dollars. Yeah. He's a super nice guy. He was a super nice. <laughs> and guy. that was clearly pre-divorce. So yes. <laughs> like, like, clearly that was because he was hanging with Barkley. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we had a great time that night. He 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 was very cool to me, and I loved. Did Charles. he know who you were? Um, I I don't remember. It was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But he was very welcoming to me, and we had a great time. And you know, I love Charles like a brother. He's a, such a dear friend of mine. When my good friend Christoph. Uh, St. John died on the show. He reached out to me and and was uh, he's just a great dude. Man. Yeah, he he's the most comfortably famous person I know. Like for his level of fame, as comfortable he is in public, it's really quite astounding. Like he he will take as many pictures, he will sign as many autographs, and it never seems to bother him. So generous with his time, he mm-hmm. treats everyone the same. My greatest compliment about him is it doesn't have to be Joshua Morrow or Jimena who walks up to him, he has so many friends who are just normal people mm-hmm. that he remembers and knows their story and asks them about their son and their grandma. Like he's just he's just completely invested in people and just an all-around generous dude. I want to get back to something you said because um, you talked about how on Young and the Restless, like you guys had to become a leaner operation and be efficient and, and kind of learn how to be successful with today's, you know, uh, fight constant fight for uh, viewers' attention span, right? So I never thought I'd see the day where soap operas would actually be canceled. Um, yeah. And we've seen a, a more than a few. I mean, on CBS, like Guiding Light. I remember I used to watch Guiding Light and and other soaps. And the, the survivors have been obviously Young and the Restless, Bold and Beautiful, General Hospital, a few others. Um, when you started to see that happen, were you ever concerned about what might be the future of Young and the Restless? Um, I was concerned, uh, but honestly, not for myself. I mean, this is a show that employs so many people. I was concerned because I think there's a there's a real need for content during the day. I mean, when they started canceling all the shows, they start replacing them with like cooking shows and like judge shows, and it's like it's and talk shows. It's like at some point, people need that escapism. They need they need content. So I was concerned, um, but I just thought I would go and do something else. Um, but things seem to have stabilized. I mean, you know, think about it. Back in the day when you were watching your stories, you had seven channels. Of course people were watching so Right. Products. There's no other options. <laughs> right. Right? Now, I guarantee you, you have over a thousand. So everyone's viewing options have exploded. You know, people are tending to lead more vibrant lives. They're out getting, you know, a little more active. Um, so they're not carving out certain periods of time in the day to watch it. They just record it. They'll watch it later, you know. So it's just viewing habits and and options have, you know, drastically changed. So um, I think we're gonna we're just fine. We just got picked up for another four years. I really don't see it going anywhere. Uh, you know, while we're getting the numbers we are. And I hope it does because you know, you can only have so many talk shows and, and, you know, shows about making a souffle. 
You know, mm. you need to see people taking their clothes off and slapping each other and, you know, corporate takeovers. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. We need to see exactly how many times is Nick going to bounce back and forth between Sharon and Phyllis. We need to see this. Like, we that's need what to we see need. This. Yeah. Right? We need, we to, know need how the same, to see this. We need to see this. I uh, want to set the record on how many times I've been married to two different women. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, damn. And this is what's so kind of messed up because I know whenever they introduce somebody new to your character's life, I'm like, they ain't going to even make it. Sage, mm-mm. Avery, I was like, damn, they ain't going to make it. Like, it just, you are the kiss of death. Like, when, I know. You know, I was I, glad they brought uh, um, Chelsea back. And I'm like, okay, so she might survive. Because when they when she went away, I was like, see, Nick, damn it. I know. Every time they put with somebody else, I Every always time. say, hey, I am going to break your heart. I am <laughs> totally. So and you might be out of a job also. Yeah. That's what happens. Um, but I got a lot more I want to ask you about. I definitely have some Oklahoma sports questions for you. For NBA sure. questions. All right. Fantasy questions. Oh, let's go. I know that's uh, in your wheelhouse. And, <laughs> you know, we dig into the archives on this show. Okay. So, I got some three deep for you. That's oh coming up, right? Uh-huh. Uh, more with Joshua Moore when we come back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Um, before we get to some lighter topics, I do want to ask you about uh, something you brought up in the first half of the podcast. Christoph St. John, uh, as you mentioned, friend of yours. And for those who not only saw him on Young and the Restless, but other things, but one of those institutions of the show, that was a difficult loss, I imagine, for all of you guys. Um, what did he mean to this show? And and frankly, once that happened, what was the process like in terms of all of you guys kind of recovering from a loss like that? Arguably one of the hardest deaths I've ever uh, experienced. Uh, I loved him. He was my brother. Uh, he, he'd he been through some stuff. Um, so a lot of it was about rooting for him so badly, like wanting him so badly to, to get some peace in his life and, uh, you know, to be able to to just enjoy living again, uh, if you will. He'd had a rough go with you know, his son and stuff. So um, it was so difficult for us. Uh, it happened so suddenly. Um, and as a company, I mean, we're so close. It, it, you talk about probably, you know, about 15 of us have been there a really long time. And we're just, we see each other as much as our uh, our normal family. So we know what's going on and, you know, but to have to pick up the pieces and and continue the story while also grieving for him on air was so hard uh the day we shot his his funeral for all intents and purposes that was our funeral we didn't he didn't have a service in like like that for us so some of the work i saw was as was so heartbreaking because uh you know that it was it was so real. There was nothing was like, you know, we, we shoot scenes like that all the time, but you're like, all right, just give me a second. You know, let me 
mentally prepare for that. There was none of that. It was like, let's go. And it was the saddest thing I've ever seen in my life. It truly was. Um, so it was hard to just watch everyone really try and grieve for him while also doing their jobs because uh, we needed to do that. But, you know, I love him. I'll always love him. He's a huge part of what we are. And uh, I know he's uh, he, he's somewhere good with his son, and and he, he's, he's happier. Yeah, it, I always got a kick out of... Uh... You got because I, I always wondered it, was it you all uh, insisting this be a storyline on the show? But when his character and yours would have some basketball battles, <laughs> when they had that little basketball court, right? right? They put up the little basketball court. Yeah. So the, the 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 one time we played, I had had major knee surgery. I want to say five months earlier, and he had major knee surgery like seven months earlier. So they're like, hey, you guys are going to be playing one-on-one. And we're like, what are you talking about? So we're, we look like two broken old men trying to like move around playing basketball. Um, you know, Christoph was not a good basketball player. He was a lot of things. Hoops was not his thing. <laughs> okay. So, you know, they they did a good job of making, making it, look it look like a, like, a, like a really good one-on-one -on -one <laughs> right. match. But did that make you want to up it a notch to be like, look, y'all can't act like we on the same level? <laughs> no. Okay. I, I, you know, I wanted to make him look really, you know, it's because it's, it's supposed to be two really good friends, right. you know, duking it out on the court. But, uh, you know, it was funny because we laugh about it all the time. You, when the cameras weren't rolling, we're like rubbing our knees going, man, I'm like, my surgeon would not be okay with this. <laughs> so, How much input uh, in general do you all have with the storylines? Do you have none or you make suggestions? How does that process work? You know, certain people are a little more involved in that. Um, they never ask me. I don't want them to. Uh, my role, I feel, is very clearly defined. I tell the story they want me to. Um they don't ask my opinion. Uh, I think if I wanted that, then they, they would probably, you know, be a little more collaborative about it. But um, a lot of other people are more involved in it. I, you know, I, I'm very happy with, for the most part, what they do with my character. I trust them to put Nick in, you know, interesting spots, if you will. So um, nobody's pitching story. Let's put it that way. I mean, they're, they're, gonna tell the story they want how it unfolds in certain circumstances we could we could kind of help dictate but they're gonna tell the story they want to tell period have you ever gotten something and thought okay even for a soap opera this is kind of absurd <laughs> yeah uh, i mean yeah i mean i've been in prison you know <laughs> right. We I called it Pretty prison. Boy Prison. They're like, hey, you get to grow a beard now. And I was like, I'm like 20. I was like, I can barely grow anything. <laughs> you know, they're coloring it in. And we got, we got a bunch of models in prison. And I'm like, man, this. Hard time. Yeah, I got, they're implying that my cellmate was like into me. And I was like, what? <laughs> this is crazy. So that, um, I got to tell this story once. We call it the reliquary. And it really was, you may remember it, where uh, Victoria ended up being out of nowhere this art 
Uh, I remember that. Yeah, because yeah. she uh, she had like an attic or some art space that she yes. used to always paint at. Yes, yes. I remember so that. So she became this high end art expert I out of nowhere. About yeah, that. and we're there's this one artifact that these bad guys are looking for. So Victoria fashions one in our living room. She literally like runs to like. Aaron Brothers and Target and gets a bag full of stuff and creates this thing that looks like the Ark of the Covenant from Indiana Jones while me and Brad are watching. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous thing. To this day, we laugh about it. It is the funniest the thing relic- I've ever I been a part that. of. Yeah. Ever. So, so of all the characters, are you asked about Eric Braden the most? Uh, I'm 100%. asked about him okay. 99.9% of the, of the time. time. Yes. Right. I mean, he is... He is a legend and an icon, and rightfully so. He has earned that, and he is all anybody wants to talk about. <laughs> so what's your best Eric Brayton slash Victor Newman story? For those who know, like I, I, I've worked very hard to make sure, especially now that I live in L.A., that people who are actors, that I call you by your real names sure. and not by your character names, because I had a very... One of my more embarrassing fan moments, I think it's the most embarrassing fan moments because I don't really have them often. And the crazy part about what I do for a living, obviously I run into a lot of athletes, interview them. Athletes don't mean shit to me. I don't care about them. I mean, nice guys, like them all, group personalities, but that doesn't do anything for me necessarily. However, I remember at the Super Bowl in Detroit, I saw Peter Bergman and before I could stop myself, I yelled, Jack Abbott. And I was like, Jack Abbott! And he looked at me like I was a moron, which of course I was, because I was like, uh, I was like, I love your I love your work, you know, blah, 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 this and that. And he just was like, who is this crazy woman? And why is she yelling my character you know, name? He's an incredible gentleman. I I promise you, you uh, didn't, you misunderstood the way no, he was no, looking I'm at sure you. No, no, I'm sure he didn't. I just, and I was projecting, because I felt like right. an imbecile. And I was like, did that really just come out of your mouth? Like, I've interviewed my Jordan is fine. It's like, all right, Very cool. few people are yelling out Joshua Morrow to me. They go, Nick Newman. <laughs> like, I accept it. We all do. Okay. Yeah, it's but all I good. just felt like a, a real idiot for doing oh, yeah, that. No. But I'm sure he didn't take it that way. But as your character is known for, you do a lot of sex scenes. What's the most awkward one you've ever had to do? The most awkward one I've ever had I mean, had I know they're all awkward to some degree, but... Um, I, you know, I did one once where uh, I was having sex with a woman and I some, I kept envisioning it was the other one, kind of like in Tom Cruise and Vanilla Sky. So you'd, let, you'd be like, cut, and then another one would kind of roll under and you're like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> you know, I was like, I can't believe they pay me to do this. So uh, that's pretty awkward. I, when I first started, man, it was just, I couldn't believe, you know, I mean, there were times where, you know, they, they you can't be like, obviously full naked, right. but... I mean, they're like showing your ass and like whatever. I'm like, oh, all right. And they're like, can you move the blanket a little bit? And, the, you know, the girls are completely naked except for this little pasty little right on there. Yeah. yeah. And just like, I'm like, hey, are you okay today? Everything's, you're all right. I'm just staring at their 99% naked body. I'm like, okay. Course, television standards have changed so much. Oh, yeah. Like, you guys probably get away with a lot more than you know when what? you started. It's, it's funky. You, you, and at the risk of sounding crass, I wish it wasn't so crazy. Like when we do a sex scene, it's the most awkward thing in the world. Like, like I can't get in between the woman's legs. Mm-hmm. And that is very difficult to show, like to make it seem like you're really having sex 
without happening. So, the are you woman just can't flush on top of her. So her leg is usually up on the side, and her other leg is down. So there's nothing you can't really um, get like physically Maneuver? connected. You know, <laughs> right. you like it's it's the, you've only got a couple things right. you can do, and we shoot these montages. You know, the woman can't ever straddle the man, and you know that's kind of in the heavy rotation, right? So you can't do that. It's just you know, it's just. Certain guidelines. It's just okay. it's so confined to this, you know, one thing. So because they could really make those things really hot, and which is what people really want to see, but the uh, you know the network doesn't want to see it, and their advertisers, you know, you want to be selling like Kit Kats to, <laughs> you know. That's right. Got to keep uh, moving those household cleaners. Yeah, and exactly. So whose idea was it for you to be in a boy band? Three D. That was. <laughs> So I was flying to Canada, and I, man, I you know one of my biggest playing cards back in the day was I'd write poems for girls, and I'm on a plane writing, and I get up to use the restroom, and there's this black dude sitting next to me, got a Kangol hat, wearing sunglasses, and uh, he was drinking Crown the whole way, and he goes, "Hey man, uh, are you a songwriter?" I'm like, "No, nah, man." Just, writing some stuff for some for a girl he goes that could be a song and i'm like uh, really he goes yeah i want to I wanna, i'm such a so i'll meet you i'm going to toronto we'll have dinner with somebody and i want to introduce some people about songwriting i was like all right i had nothing to do that night i was like cool had some drinks met these dudes and by the end of dinner they're like hey you should perform them i'm like i'm not a singer he goes doesn't matter we think you could do this I was like, can I make money at it? He goes, oh, you can make some money at it. Uh, so my best friend was this dude, Eddie. And I went home. I was like, dude, this could be something we could do. I think it'd be really fun. And make no mistake, it was the most fun I've had in three years of my life, for sure. Uh, we were not good at what we did. We didn't take it very seriously. Uh, we drank way more than we... <laughs> rehearsed right. it was like uh we liked we met up with this guy this very talented dude from canada named cj who we like to refer to as the talent and he handled uh you know 90 percent of the singing um but it honestly we were just looking to have fun and things got real serious though about a year in this guy came to us and offered us a bunch of money to leave our shows and go to europe and tour and, and i remember eddie and i sitting down when i like what are we gonna? What's what are we doing? What's our plan here? Because shit's getting serious, and we're both like, this is not what we want. <laughs> so we ended up not doing that. Uh, but man, we had some real fun. If I could write a book, uh, well, you can. <laughs> I could, but that's some vault shit. Uh, <laughs> okay, no. all right. We, oh man, it was uh, it was a super fun time in my life. So who do girls love more, uh, soap opera actors or? Uh... Or singers. I'm going to guess singers, right? It's different. My okay. audience Your audience soaps definitely is, is grandma and yeah. aunties that we were We're're talking singing. about earlier. Singing is... You're playing in your sandbox there. Yeah, that was <laughs> in the wheelhouse. <laughs> um, and for those who have not heard the melodious sounds of 3D... Oh, we, yes. We have a clip. Oh, boom. Oh, yeah. yes. I'm sure you it's love... It's been so long... It's been so long since you've been gone. 
recall any storyline that involved Nick Newman singing. So when, <laughs> so when all that happened, they actually asked me, "Is like, would you like to?" I was like, "No, <laughs> you don't want to incorporate." Never it. happening. This is a completely different uh, world, and they're like, "We agree with that too." Mm. I was like, okay. So your official full time job is obviously starring on the show, but your unofficial full time job is not just being a dad, but you're also a sport parent. Heavy oh, yes. into coaching your kids. Yes. Um, what's that like? Um, coaching to me, I, I believe I was put on this earth to be a coach. Like there's nothing in this world, nothing that I like more than taking a group of eight kids in basketball or 13 in baseball and making them work their asses off and realize they're so much more capable of what they think they are or or their parents like i love i love pushing kids and making them see new levels to themselves as a coach and i'll tell all my parents right away is like i may not be for you but i'm telling you i'm for your kid if you trust me i'm going to make your son be the best teammate he's ever seen and he will get better at this sport i promise you that but you got to trust me. Now, cer certain parents have not responded completely to the way I did things. But my greatest role models in life were my coaches. I remember the ones that were hard on me and believed in me and pushed me. And those are the principles of, of forming a good young man. I, I, I kept those. So I would bet 90% of the parents and kids that ever had me loved me. Um, but... Who knows? I mean, parents are crazy. I was going to say, the coaching what's it like? part is easy. What's it like dealing with the, parents? Dealing though? with the parents yeah. is the problem, you know. Because again, I can, I can go on and on and say, you got to trust me. You got to trust me. I know what I'm doing. But you know, certain parents just see you picking on Billy and not playing Johnny, and you know, why is you know why is Scotty batting tenth when he should be batting fourth? You know, it's like. If you want these kids to win, then you sit up there and be quiet. I will get them to win. Mm. I win championships. Okay. Period. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, Fact, I, won one, I won one on Saturday. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. So um, have you ever been thrown out of a game? Never. Never been thrown out of a no. game? No. Okay. Uh, I got close once. Um, I, I actually really, really respect umpires and referees, even if they suck, uh, because it's a thankless job. Rarely do they leave a field and get congratulated. You know, there's always going to be one side that really hates what they've done. Um, so I really re appreciate what they're doing. And they're because they're putting themselves out there. I mean, they're the ones who are getting looked at. If they're ever making themselves a part of the game, then they're the ones who are getting the insults. So um, I really respect them. I don't want my kids to see me lose my mind and get thrown out. All of my demonstrative antics are strictly to them. I don't talk to the other coaches. I don't talk to the other players. I mean, I'll gi I give them props and stuff, but you know, those boys, those you know, those little guys who are looking at me—that's all I care about. Do you think you're harder on your own kids because you play sports and had such a a robust, you know, kind of sports background? I am 100% harder on my boys, but. I believe the coach has to. You've seen the teams where the coach treats his own son like he's different. And that is a 
for lack of a better word, a cancer to a team. When that happens, the, the, the components of the team break down. So, you know, all my sons know they've handled it in different capacities, but you have to make an example out of them. And, you know, my dad coached me in everything too. And man, I hated him at times, but he carved me out into who I am. And I always appreciate it. Um, I'm hard on my sons, hard on them, but they know that I believe in them and I, my expectations for them are extremely high. All right, uh, Josh, before I get you out of here, little game I like to play with my guests. Okay. This is where you can get all your hottest sports takes. Hottest sports takes. You can unleash them here, all right? Uh, game I play with my guests is called This or That. Okay. You, you get two choices. Pick one. I only get to pick one. You only get to pick one. Okay. All right? Okay. So black grandmas everywhere depending on you right now. Okay. It's for their survival. I got it. All right. Um... Push-up contest, you or Eric Braden? Right now? Right now. Oh, uh, me, easily, okay. for sure. All right, he ain't yeah. that strong. I mean, listen, no, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, I don't, I'm allowed to say, he's almost 80, for sure. Uh, but, uh, and I do a lot of push-ups, so uh, I feel confident I could beat him, but that's maybe the only thing I'd beat him in. All right, uh, better fantasy pick, Christian McCaffrey or Patrick Mahomes? Depends on the format of the league. Oh, look at you. I'm a, this is my job. You. This is my job. Depends. Or is it a two-quarterback league? Tell me. Okay, you're in a fantasy league. How many teams? I'm in seven leagues. Dude, this is a legitimate okay, business. You're in seven leagues? Yeah. Okay. I could do my own podcast on just this, but let's go. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So are you in any two-quarterback leagues? Oh, yes. Why? I'm in two, I'm in two leagues that are three-quarterback leagues. That sounds so shitty. You no, can't be. It's what? fucking fun. No, yes. three quarterbacks. Yes, that's an abomination. All right, is it? Or yes, is it genius. It's, it's an abomination. <laughs> so, what's the what league are you in that has like the most teams? Like, I once did a twenty teamer. I've never done that. Uh -huh. I don't know if I have any interest in that. To be honest, uh, my proverbial fantasy dance card is full. Seven leagues is a lot of work. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I spend a lot of my time uh, <laughs> on this. Uh, it's a big business for me. Um, so um, the biggest league I'm in is probably 10. Mm. But those are all small Ten. money. Yeah, I'm playing some big, big, big money ones that yeah. have like seven. You got to at least do 12 teams, man. Come on. Never done a 12. Dude, you got to do 12. Actually, you know what? That's not true. I did do one once that was 12, but I don't like it. I like depth. No, but that's the whole point is like you want a league where you have to trade with other people. Okay. And, and it see, gets pretty intense. I see that. Right? And you want a league where um, that waiver wire, like combing that waiver wire is like for real. Like in a 10-team league, everybody's going to have good players. That shit ain't fun. I want somebody's roster to suck. I don't know. <laughs> right? It's all about the draft then, right? Yeah. Like you got you to gotta be smart on the draft. So... I don't know. I, I think I think you're being a little short sighted. Do you that. do um, snake draft or auction? I don't do auction drafts. I only do snake. Dude, I feel like I need to bring. Like I retired from fantasy a few years ago. I feel like I need to bring you into the light. I need to bring. <laughs> a lot of my friends have moved to auction. They yeah. say it's really fun, but I just I haven't. They're I haven't old done school. It. Yeah, I've yeah. Done it. I got my seven leagues that are good. Um, you know, I know the guys, so it's, you know, nobody's changed to do it. So you get the number one pick. Who are you taking? All right. I'm going to say on just standard scoring, one quarterback league. Please tell me you're in PPR leagues. I'm in a couple PPR leagues. Oh, dude, you're yeah. killing me. I'm in a couple. What is it? I'm two of seven. Okay, all right. All right. All right. Okay. I'm going to take McCaffrey. Okay. I'm going to take McCaffrey. I mean, the quarterback depth 
is generally good. Like you can. It's really solid. Yeah. Um, especially the way uh, the defensive rules have started. Yeah. Uh, I mean, have changed. Um, every team, every team's quarterbacks chucking the ball a lot now. Um, you know, Mahomes is going to have put up huge numbers, uh, but I can't imagine Carolina uh, utilizing McCaffrey the way they did last year again. I mean, they're going to they're going to get him killed eventually. Right. Um, but it's hard to. It's hard to pass McCaffrey up, I think. Uh, yeah, no, especially, I mean, these days, you don't need a great quarterback to win a league. No. You do need a McCaffrey type. You now, do need two people. years ago, yeah. Mahomes won everybody, yeah, everything. Yeah, because he was just out of his But mind. last year, he came back to earth, and rightfully so. I mean, mm. defensive coordinators are not stupid. They're going to figure out ways to, to you know, kind of contain that. So um i it, it's very difficult to pass up McCaffrey, I think at this point, yeah, um related to your job uh running on the beach in Malibu chasing Daniel or the clear springs disaster oh, that clear springs <laughs> thing was pimp, yeah, I mean, we got an entire studio for that they made you know they had to make all these different pockets of 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 of, of you know turmoil and damage and and everybody it looked like a it looked like the grid for like the Brady bunch you had a section up top where people were dying and 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 there was just carnage everywhere, so I was very impressed with what we did on on clear springs I'll take that one all right um and finally, very important question. Given your Oklahoma background, sure, Sam Bradford or Baker Mayfield? I love Baker Mayfield. Now he's he's not for everyone. <laughs> he's not for everyone. Yeah. I will wholeheartedly agree uh-huh. that he has made life more difficult for him than is necessary. Um, but I love what he stands for. I would wager that you ask any of his teammates um, before maybe this year, uh, they would go into battle with him any day. He is a stone-cold winner. Uh, he believes in his boys. Um, I, man, what he did at Oklahoma, now granted, yes, I am completely biased, but he was the greatest college football player that I've ever seen. What he did was insane in certain games and from a dude who's my height essentially he's thicker but he is not a physical specimen by any means and for him to perform the way he has has been pretty impressive to me i just want to make sure i heard this right yep you just said baker mayfield is the greatest college football player you've ever seen to me again i'm biased as an oklahoma sooner fan the year he had now also a lot of people don't remember this but his first year he did not get invited to the heisman trophy uh presentation which was a fucking tragedy like like wait what you you're not what so then the next year he came and you know he got invited and win but then he won it obviously cuz he should have um but he Dude, he was putting up video game numbers. Now there's going to be the Big Twelve people who are complaining about all that I shit. But didn't play defense in the conference, you I know. Got it. But yeah. man, he he's a winner. I would I would play. I, I would let him be my quarterback on any team. I I really hope that the Browns get him an offensive line, and you know he's going to have another year to mature. He's got weapons, but they've got to get him some protection you know uh, everybody always talks shit about him because he's rolling out of the pocket dude scared yeah get him a line and watch what he does because he can straight sling it 
I would be here another hour with you if I listed all of the people rolling in their graves because you said he was the greatest. The Bo Jackson. Oh, Herschel Walker. Again, dude, even in this generation, Cam you, Newton, dude, Cam if, Newton at Auburn. He, what, he might have had the single greatest year of any college back quarterback in history. I know you didn't just say Cam Newton's better than Baker Mayfield to me. I, I'm sorry. One of them has been an MVP in the NFL. One of them has not. Well, <laughs> okay. Have you but seen I, you the way what? Cam Newton you know dresses? What? You know what? Oh, well, okay. I, I can't defend that. You're right. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even going to touch the NFL. I didn't even touch it. Just that one year. The year in which he had no other pro players on that team. One okay. the highs, but one. Come on, man. Okay, but come on. This is, <laughs> man, my my passion for Oklahoma is so hey, it's serious. deep. It's serious. It's like. For you to say something like that is serious. But I will say this. I do, I do think that the criticism of Baker Mayfield, while warranted, I like the fact that Cleveland picked him because I did too. It was the right choice. It was the right choice. But to me, the, what was one of the issues that the Browns have had is that they were only so-so on everybody. Not everybody, because they've had like a graveyard of like twenty-plus quarterbacks that have started um, for that team in the last you know twenty years or so. But I like that they were definitive about what they wanted to do. You know, um, and that's how it is like yo if you find a guy you got to go for the guy and if you think that's the guy get the guy and you they know, thought he was the guy and i think to your point um you know they built this pretty little offense around him and he has no no protection it's at dreadful, all dreadful dreadful yeah. so, so the big bad. argument was darnold versus him mm-hmm. and i don't care yes darnold's big can throw the ball through a He's wall also a turnover machine but yeah baker was the most accurate thrower of the football that I've ever seen. And in the NFL, your windows. I'm not going to even list. I mean, I, I'm going to let you have your moment. Have your moment. Have I'm talking your moment, about Josh. his senior year. <laughs> okay, have your moment. The dude, like the windows <laughs> in the NFL are like this, right? So I ain't having Sam Darnold throwing the ball when I can have Baker Mayfield if I have an O line. All right. So I, you know, I love Baker Mayfield. I'm, and I'm not hill, even man. apologizing for it. I love him. and uh, Die on you know, this hill. I will. Yeah, you will. Um, you are by far the most passionate Baker Mayfield fan I have ever met. So you got that going for you. I love you, Baker. If you watch <laughs> this, I think we should be best friends. <laughs> Clearly. I'm your biggest fan. He absolutely <laughs> is. <laughs> Josh, thank you so much for taking time out to join me. Um, I really appreciate it. It's been fun over the last few years getting to know you. And um, you definitely helped me uh, fulfill a dream when you took me around the YNR set. We had a blast. And I was the envy of so many other YNR friends of mine that I I know and I, I think I sent my mother the picture too. She could not believe it. She was like, Oh my god, Nick Newman. I was like, Yes, I kind of know him. So, well, anyway, I want to give you props. Uh-oh. You had, I mean, what could only be viewed as a lot of people's dream jobs, you know, at the uh, the mothership, the good old four letters, yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, you went out and you're making a difference. I listened to your podcast and you've got this platform now, and you are one of the smartest. Wisest, you have an incredible intellect, and I'm just really proud of you because that was a big swing, and I, I got nothing but respect for you. Well, thank you. Uh, that means a lot that that you would say that because, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it was it was a great job, had a lot of fun, um, but you know, it was time. 
one day it may be your time to leave YNR in another 30 years. <laughs> so until then, you just got to get old as shit on the show. All right, I can do that. And it just has to work out that way. Anyway, uh, Josh is getting out of here. Y'all know what's coming up next. Fuck it, I'm bothered. Okay, before I get to telling you all what the fuck I'm bothered about, I want to take this time to say thank you. Engineering today's podcast is Kevin Richter, and this episode will be his last as engineer for this particular podcast. Um, He's got a new gig. He's leaving us peasants behind. I'm not sure how many episodes Kevin has engineered um, because there's another engineer who's like the main engineer. And Kevin, quite capably, was the Mariano Rivera of of this particular podcast when it came to engineering. But I think it's fair to say that Kevin has been here and engineered this podcast when some of our more eccentric guests have stopped by. Just remember, Kev, no matter how high you soar, we will always have imaginary friend. (laughs) But in all seriousness, good luck. You will definitely be missed. Now let me tell you what the hell I'm bothered about. Or what the fuck. Sorry. Uh, I forgot the segment name. (laughs) Now, in America, we are the kings and queens of dismissing very obvious ideas. We're a few weeks into daylight savings time, and I feel like we as a nation need to come together as reasonable people and just tell the truth. We do not need this spring forward fall back shit, man. Wherever you are, raise your hand if setting the clock ahead or just knowing you'll lose an hour leaves you in a bad fucking mood. As I mentioned earlier, we're a few weeks into this and I'm still tired as hell. Losing that one hour of sleep has been brutal. So I did some research because I allowed for the possibility that maybe I'm misunderstanding something. Maybe there's a rhyme and reason to having two different time zones in one year. And keep in mind, not every state does this. And here's what I came up with via the research. It doesn't make any sense. First, here's the history of this. Daylight savings time was a concept that was started overseas in the early 1900s. It has shit to do with America and everything to do with Germany and Britain who did it so that they could be fresh for war. It didn't have shit to do with sunlight. And then the United States followed suit. If we just did fall back all year round, I get that there would be some serious consequences or consequences we're not accustomed to. The sun probably wouldn't rise until a little after 9 a.m. And psychologists say waking up to darkness can have some kind of psychological effect. Well, fuck all that. Uh, Those of us who prefer one consistent time all year round are forgetting that over 30 states are looking at the pros and cons of doing so. Look, how many of y'all are annoyed as shit at the fact that even though we have these brand new technologically savvy phones that change whenever there is a time change, we all have oven clocks, fucking alarm clocks that you have to actually go and set and have to remember. Sometimes you got to add and subtract because you might be lazy like me and say, fuck it. I'm just going to keep it at one time all year round. And then I just have to deal with it. Yeah, I'm tired of that life. Look, I'm a sensible, logical person. And I understand that we've been used to this life for literally ever, unless you live in Indianapolis, which is again on the same time all year round or Arizona also on the same time all year round. But as a country, we don't need to be doing two different things. We don't need to have some people doing it, some people not. So let's just get on one damn time. All right. And just say, fuck spring forward and just go with fall back. 
Until then, stay unbothered. Mel Hill is Unbothered is produced by Spotify Studios and Unbothered Inc. and recorded and edited by Rich Burner and Cadence 13. Ashley Van Horn is our head of talent. Evan Dick is our executive producer. And Denise Holly is the program manager. Our theme music is provided by Corey Greenleaf and Ben Darwish. You can find more from me on Twitter and Instagram at Jamel Hill. Hold up. 